when we have been talking about courage over fear, when we've been talking about Joshua, we know that even from a young age, one of the things that everyone can relate to the story of Joshua is the story of Jericho. It's found in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. That's where we're going to look this morning. There's more to it, but I want to focus right there. At this point in what God is doing, he's changing things up. Things lie before them that are going to be scary, but here's how it goes down. The children of Israel face a huge problem. God puts forward a plan. The people do exactly as God commands, even though it seems unconventional, and God gives the victory. That is a formula that works today just as much as it worked for them facing the things that they face. Exactly for us. See, when we break it down into terms that God's up to something, we all know that. We know that Israel's going a new direction. But for anyone in this house that God has done things for, God never delivers his people from Egypt to be on a vacation. He delivers you for a reason. And the reason that lies ahead of them is a promised land. And there can be times where you can get discouraged and you can think, I hear about promises, but I'm not feeling promises right now. We've all been there. See, the children of Israel, they just witnessed miraculous things. Last week, we talked about how they walked over the Jordan on dry ground during flood stage. This is what they did. The God that I serve, and you need to understand this, he doesn't perform miracles in some way to string us along. He does it because he wants you to understand he specializes in the impossible. He wants you to understand that he does things, and as we said before, that even for seasoned Christians, he wants your mouth to drop open. We were laughing because there's a desk in my office that Seth built for me. And if you haven't seen the desk, every single person who has seen this desk when I've been doing it, their reaction has been like, because it's that amazing. That's how God wants us to be when it comes to the miraculous. Like, I know you can do things that are awesome, but in this moment, I'm blown away. As Christians, we can tend to think we need to work our way up to the big things. I, I know there are these apps, like Couch to 5K apps. See, we think we need to work our way up. The children of Israel were here. The promised land was there. In between the two was Jericho. Have you ever felt that way? Or have you ever felt the way that I'm here and here's Jericho? That's how I can get. I can get rattled sometimes, and I can forget that their part is so much better than anything that I can imagine. When you think about Jericho, and here's a fact that you may not have known when I was reading about it. It sat on approximately nine acres, I read. It's 12 and a half that the church is on. That makes it seem a little less formidable, but it wasn't the city that was the problem, it was the walls that were the problem. It was a fortress, and the Bible states that it had been completely closed off. They had a couple choices, just as you do. When you're faced with a Jericho, you can either take it on because God has appointed you, or you can try to go around it. When you try to go around Jericho, what's going to happen is it won't stay in the past. And when you least expect it, Jericho is going to come up on you. 
you need to put down the things that God says to put down and to put them down with an exclamation point, not to play around with them. An impromptu history lesson here is this. There were two cities. There was Jericho, there was Ai. They were directly in front of Israel. On the other side of that were the mountains. If Israel could defeat Jericho, the toughest of the cities, if they could defeat the second city, then they would have the mountains and they would have the high ground. In a military sense, you want the high ground because it gives a sense of confidence from where you can attack. The enemy wants you as a Christian to stay off the high ground. His goal is to keep you off the high ground because he knows if you get there, then God is going to be able to drive a wedge into the enemy's territory. When I read about this city, Jericho, it was the central place of worship for the god Ashtoreth. Out of all the Canaanite gods, this one was the most vile, the most evil. And among the other things that Ashtoreth was known as, the god of war. And so in this moment, I feel like God's saying, I am going to, I hear you're a god of war, little g. I'm the god of everything. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to make a statement piece out of this little show you've been putting on here behind these walls. That's what I'm going to do. I'm getting ready. See, the Bible, oh, I love it. Romans 8. We are more than conquerors. Why do I love that? Because it tells me that I was never set up to be a diplomat. I was never meant to make peace treaties with the devil. I was meant to conquer. That's what he has put in me. I'm not going to make nice. I'm going to conquer. When I walk in with God, things are going to fall. Just keep marching. Someone needs to hear that today. Just keep marching. In human terms, the size of our enemy can be relative to the situation that we're in. We can become so conditioned that we think, working up to this battle, God, what can I do to work up to it? What can I do? What if God never intended for you to fight these little minions? What if God appointed you to go against the four-star general of hell itself? What if the battle that he wanted you to start out with was not some battle to work your way up? When I read Ephesians 6, do you know what I want to see? I want to see principalities crumble. I want to see powers surrender. I want to see the rulers of darkness in high places. I want to see them coming out into the light squinting because God's pulled them out there to put a display on of what he's going to do. That is what I want. The reason that the enemy, that it can seem so overwhelming, so brutal at times, is because when you read that, the enemy had shut itself up in Jericho. It's because the devil wants you to focus on the thickness of the walls. That's what he wants you to do. God says focus. Don't focus on the walls. Focus on the plan. Focus on the plan. I need you to see, I need you to understand, I need you to reflect on the goodness that I have put before you. Because before liberation, the intimidation is going to make the stronghold that lies before you seem bulletproof. 
But the truth is, some of the things that we see as bulletproof, impenetrable, the enemy's shaken behind those walls. Oh, he'd never tell you that. But that's what's going on. March anyway. I can just imagine the terror that was going on behind those walls thinking, it's coming. See, there was no letter sent, letter of intent from the children of Israel saying, we're coming. The spirit of the living God had gone before them. Any fear that was struck in Jericho, it's because the spirit of the living God was hovering over that place. Because faith was moving there. And faith says to see what other people cannot see. Faith is seeing there even though I'm standing here. It's being able to put your name in this blank. Look, I have already accomplished this in the spirit realm. Walk as though it's truth. Zach, I've already accomplished this in the spirit realm. When he says that to you, I have already done it. See it? He's saying, look at it as though it exists. Look over here. Don't look at the problem. I've already accomplished this. The directions were to march around that city one time a day for six days. The instructions were to have seven priests take seven horns, to have the ark in there. And so here was the setup. The ark was to be in the center. There were to be priests with ram's horns before that, and there was to be a guard before and behind it. I may have a little help today. Do I have a little help? Thumbs up for the help? I do have help. Oh, it's going to be good. There are times in your walk that your shout may be silent. There are times that the trumpet may not be playing a tune like Dizzy Gillespie. May not. And you will walk around wondering what's wrong in this moment. What's wrong? I'm doing what God is calling me to do, but in this moment, something feels off. Something feels off. The battle in this moment may be in the march. And to explain that, I did a little research. The idea of marching, there is an efficiency in movement when people march together. There's an efficiency in movement. And so it isn't just we want to look cool together. It's the fact that to get where they need to go, if they move in a certain way together, they're going to be able to do that. But there's another component that comes into play. When soldiers march in unison, not only does it intimidate the enemy, but it gives the soldiers a confidence boost. So they took a group of men and they said, we want you, they were soldiers, we want you to walk together. And so total at ease, they were walking together from here to there. They showed them a picture, a picture of a guy's face. And they asked them to describe how big they thought that person was. Angry, angry picture. And they described it. Take another group of soldiers, and they had them march in unison. They showed them the same picture. And amazingly, the people who were in unison saw the enemy, they described that enemy as being weaker. They described that enemy as being something that did not bother them. But when just taken off guard, when people were at ease, they would describe that as a possible threat, as a possible problem. God wants us as his people to begin to walk in a way where we inspire one another, where we can look at a problem, and when we look at it together, we say, you know what, that doesn't look that hard. 
you know what? That doesn't look like something that I should be scared of. We need to be in this together. Now, some people say, well, that's called a mob mentality. No, it's called a God mentality. It's what it's called. And we need to have that kind of thing. Oh, when it came to the horns, there were two kinds of horns that were used during this time. There were these shiny ceremonial horns, and there were ram's horns. Horns were blown typically for two reasons. Number one, during war. Another time they would be blown for celebration. God's saying in this moment, put away the fancy things. Somebody needs to hear that. Put away the fancy things. Put away your fancy theology talk for a minute and do what works in me. See, ram's horns, oh, they were made of God-made materials. The fancy things, they were made of silver. They were, and God's saying, I don't need that right now. I need you to do what works. Break out what you used from the beginning. Stop tooting the wrong horn in this battle. Use what works. When I was writing this morning, I put this in. Because this is for someone, and there's no other place to put it. It may seem out of place. But someone sitting here, you were never ever meant to wear Saul's armor. It's a total different Bible story. But you were never meant to wear Saul's armor to fight the giant that stands before you. Whoever that's for, take it in. And I'm going to go on. Yeah, we do weird things here sometimes. God is saying that I'm about to make a spectacle out of your stronghold. What seems like mindless repetition to you, what seems like misdirection is actually part of a calculated plan. Just like with the Jordan, the attention was to be put around the praise. The God victory always comes when we protect the praise. Every time that you protect the praise, he's going to be there. The attention was to be paid to the plan. Walled cities. Here's what's crazy. So you remember what I said. You've got the ark, say right here. You've got the people with the horns, right here. Back here, you've got guards. Up here, more guards. Do you know what I left out? And do you know what walled cities specialized in? Archers. This. There was nothing protecting them but the hand of God from the things that he was asking them to do. Maybe we need to walk with that mentality. Nothing was going to approach on the ground, but from the air, these guys, I can only imagine them just keeping the bows back. I'm aiming for that freckle right there on top of that guy's head. And they were probably that good. There are times when we need to understand that the enemy before us is real, but the God that is with us is able to protect us. That my back's not against the wall, that I march with a God who is stronger. That my dependence on him is going to take me through this. Can you praise in the shadow of the walls? Can you praise in a situation that seems uncomfortable? When I read about this, I was thinking about this fact. With all my vast medical knowledge, I've read about shock. I don't even know why I read about this. But when the body goes into shock, all of the important things are redirected toward the core. 
The way that that setup was with the ark right in the middle, with the praise in the middle, it was almost saying all the important things are right where they need to be. We're keeping it central. We're letting them know that no matter what they try to come at us with, the praise is going to stay central, and we're going to protect it. You come try to take the box. I dare you. Come try to take the box. These guys will probably whoop you with the horns, and then we got swords. We're not playing. Keep marching. Keep marching. Here's the way the plan came down. God told Joshua. Joshua told the people. There are going to be times that the God plans come down to you, and you're going to have one of two choices. You can either be the person who can communicate God's plan to other people with confidence, or you can begin to poke holes in it. There are going to be times when the God plan comes down, and notice with the story of Joshua, at no point did God give the plan to Joshua and say, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about this, and if you feel comfortable, Joshua, come back to me. But as Christians, we can operate that way. There was no fleece laying down here for Joshua. There was walls and God's plan. And when we see things in those terms, sometimes we will march with purpose. The last part of the instruction said this, on the seventh day, you are to march around seven times. Now, here's what's strange. When they marched the first six days, it was in silence. That's what's weird. You're walking around with a horn. You know what you want to do. When I was young, I got this bullhorn at the fair one time. And at night, me and my friend would go out, and I'd blow this bullhorn, and he had a duck call. And we would go by the neighbor's houses, and we would just go off. And they probably had no clue. Like, what is happening? A duck and a bull are, like, wrestling outside. What is going on? I can't imagine in that moment walking with that horn. And I can just see my lips. I'd be looking like, blow this horn. Like, don't blow the horn. Don't blow the horn. On the seventh day, though, they said, walk around and blow the horns. Not that loud. You're going to be blowing the horns. Everyone's to stay, si stay silent. When you make the seventh pass around there, a loud toot of the horn. And then shout. I want you to shout. And when you do that, the walls of the city are going to fall flat, and the people are going to go up, every man straight before them. The reason God was doing this is he wanted the plan for victory to be something that was clearly his work. He wants to partner with you in the things that he does. He didn't need them for the walls to fall flat, but he wanted to partner with them. Paul Miller said something last Sunday, and it stuck with me. He said, you can't do God's part, and God won't do your part. There are things that he's calling you to do. That he's standing, he's, take my hand, we've got this. Take my hand, we've got this. Take the steps, we've got this. Verse 10 in chapter 6 says this. Joshua gave orders to the people. He said, don't shout. In fact, don't even speak. Not so much as a whisper until you hear me say shout, then shout away. The orchestra is warming up. That noise that you hear that gets in your head, it's just the orchestra warming up. They're getting ready to play that tune. Imagine the anticipation of those guys, as I said, who had been carrying those horns around, that when they finally went off on those things, can you imagine how loud it was? 
Oh, some of you can imagine that anticipation because you feel like you have been walking in a circle for how long? Be honest. How many people feel like I have been on this same route over and over? Look, kids, Parliament, Big Ben. Look, kids, Parliament, Big Ben. That's been your faith walk for how long? With every step in silence, remember the promises that God gave. Take it a step higher. Look at the architecture while you're walking. That's nice. Is that sandstone? Because it's going to fall. It's going to fall. Take in for a moment what you look at as being the scary thing and think God's going to drop that. Like a bad habit. Any minute, he's going to drop that. And I'm going to see that. Their journey, the whole circle thing, six days. It took them two hours to walk to Jericho, to walk around Jericho, to walk back two hours. I can't imagine, but yet I can because there are times that I feel like I'm doing that. That march that took seven days to do, do you understand that to these people to march on the Sabbath, they did something that was very unconventional to them because God's saying on that seventh day, something's going to happen. That seventh day, I think about seven days and that idea of rest at the end of seven days. And I think that God's saying to us that when this goes down, when I do the things that I'm going to do, do you know how it's going to feel to you? The kind of rest that comes to you, it's going to be like on the Flintstones in the beginning when Fred Flintstone, when it would click five o'clock and he'd be like, yeah, but dabba do. He'd slide down that brontosaurus tail and clock out, that's how it's going to feel in a spiritual sense. God, you did this. You did this seven times around and then shout. What did I say before? The horns were blown during times of celebration. One time was during the time of Jubilee. It was to remind people of Jubilee. And one of the things with Jubilee was it is a time to reset. It is a time to look forward to the things that I'm putting before you. It's not a time to look back anymore. John, can I get a visual? Or better yet, can I get some kind of sound bite? Come on down, John. No, I may or may not know a guy with a shofar. <laughs> but imagine this as they're walking. This, a ram's horn. Nothing fancy about it. But keep this in mind. When God says... Use what I put in your hands and light it up. Go with it. When I say, just boom, I want this to drop, what kind of praise do you think came out of the mouths of those people? When it says shout, what do you think they shouted? And here's the idea. When I say to you this morning, what things were holding you back, holding you down, what things, what would you shout? God, thank you for giving me victory over depression. Thank you for giving me victory. What do you think they shouted? Do you think they were just like, huzzah? No. No one huzzahs ever. We need to think in terms of when God does what he's going to do. And so imagine it. They're going around. They're going around. And on the seventh time, on that seventh pass, then I can just imagine God saying, and you know you'd almost lose count. When he goes seven, go with it. Imagine this.
And I think, I think in spiritual terms, the archer is just looking. And the archer is saying, wait, wait, what's that guy doing? What's that guy doing? He, he's moving. He's moving. Is he going for a weapon? Oh, he, he's just, put, just putting a little horn up to his mouth. And that's the last thing those archers thought as they rode those walls down to the ground. Thank you. And in a spiritual sense, you need to call in the guy with the shofar. Somebody needs to call in the guy with the shofar. Challenge. Used to bust that thing out all the time. Bust it out. That's what I say. You bust that out. I like that. I like that. I'm going to close. I'm going to close. It wasn't about the walls anymore. It was about the march. Where you are right now, you cannot will those walls away. Can't ignore those walls away. You can try to go around those walls, but you're going to have to face it again at some point. Start marching. Start marching. Faith is the ability to say, I'm putting my eyes on the goodness of God in this moment. I will not look back. If I'm looking around, it's because I'm surveying the victory that is to come. My mind has reached a conclusion. God is for me. God is with me. Because my faith focuses on his word, I will walk forward. And I will keep walking forward. And I will walk forward in confidence knowing that the person beside me is walking with that same resolve. I'm not going to stop because I know the victory is near. And I'm not going to stop because I know their confidence in victory is also looking at me at times. There was a song that I heard. And I do love a good song. I'm sitting in my office one day just crying here in this bridge. Your father is with you in this walk. Your father is with you in this walk. He has won the fight. The song said this. It said, prodigals come home. The helpless find hope. Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide. The dead come to life. Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Miracles take place. The cynical find faith. And love is breaking through because the father's in the room. Jericho walls are quaking. Strongholds now are shaking. Love is breaking through because the father's in the room. What looks like weakness in this moment is actually the canvas God's going to use to paint the most beautiful picture. I am not ignorant of the archers on the wall. Yet I walk in a God defiance. Pointing them out. Oh, I got the horn in this hand, but I'm pointing them out with the other one. My God's got you. My God's got you. You may think I'm the most foolish man with a ram's horn walking under a wall today, but my God's got you. There's a song that was called Your Love is Springtime, and it says the longer the quiet, the louder the chorus. For some of you, I'm just asking this. Find your shout. You wonder maybe why things haven't been working in the way you thought they would. It's because you've been thinking of your plan. Pick up his plan. Follow his plan. And it's going to be unconventional. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Because I'll tell you what, there aren't many military leaders. I swear if they sat down with the Joint Chiefs of Staff and they were like, here's what we're going to do for the next battle. We're just going to walk around that place. Monica, you bring a trumpet. They're going to be like, well, what about our tanks? 
Don't even bring a nice trumpet. What about our planes? Just walk. Spiritually, that's how weird it's going to feel. But step into it. Don't stop here. Jericho is not a bookmark, or it is a bookmark. It's not the end. The Apostle Paul said this, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures we may have hope. I can walk back right now, ask any six-year-old in children's church what happened at Jericho. You know what they'd tell me? Those walls fell flat. God made the walls fall. What's changed? What would be different if I asked any other person in here? The walls fell flat. Put a name to those walls today. See, it wasn't the city which shall not be mentioned. It was Jericho. Put a name to whatever walls God's got to drop. Put a name to it. And when you shout, I know you're going to be shouting in a way that, God, you did it. So I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to ask that the prayer elders would come forward. We did not do an elder prayer time. I'm going to pray. And after I pray, the worship team's going to play. As they play, I would ask this. If you're here and you need someone to agree with you in prayer, something that we lean heavily on is the fact that the Bible talks about prayer elders. The Bible talks about coming into agreement with others. Our prayer elders come up here. You know what makes them special? They can pray. Right? They are just faithful people who will agree with you in prayer. We're going to pray. After we do, I would ask this. When I say amen, just get up on your feet. I'm not going to ask you to shout and scare the person next to you. I'm going to ask you to get up and start lining up Jericho in your heart. As they play, I'm going to ask you just to point the archers out on the wall. My God's got you. And if you need prayer, come down. After a little bit, we will dismiss formally. But let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for the fact that you're the one who causes the walls to drop. I thank you, God, that nothing intimidates you, that there is no devil in hell, there is no minion that would try to rear his head that intimidates you. And right now, in the midst of your people, God, I speak your confidence, the same confidence that was there when they circled those walls, the same confidence when they were walking to go to those walls, and Lord, that same confidence that saw those walls fall flat. You bring that kind of victory to your people. You are the same God that was there in that battle. You are the same God. And Lord, I pray your confidence in your people, in your family. In Jesus' name, I speak victory. Amen and amen. At this time, we're going to worship along together. If you need prayer, please come down. They are here to pray with you.